1: Boogie hates racism and Chris Paul. And who cannot get on board with that platform?
2: If I've learned a lot, this I'm not gonna say it.
1: That sounds too good. No, good, bro. No, 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 no. no. If the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network Game 3, post-game, Bucks, Bulls, and you can probably already hear that we are in a better mood this time around. That is because the Bucks just walloped the Chicago Bulls. 111-81 to 81 was the final score. I actually think that makes it seem closer than it was throughout most of this game. The Nassas checked in with nearly nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, which really says a lot uh, about this game of basketball. No offense to the nassis or Rohan. But I am joined by the winning six crew, Adam McGee and Jordan Tresky to talk about Milwaukee's much, much needed comeback game and the winning six merch, which looks amazing on Jordan right now. <laughs> if you're not listening on YouTube, hop on over there and then hop on over and cop some merch. But first, let's hop over to you guys. Fellas, how's it going?
2: It's going well. It's going better than it was last time, at least.
3: It's sorry, it was just funny to go for like words,
2: buoyant. And it's It's
3: going well. <laughs> It's going it's going weird.
2: I, I'm not carried away at anything. I mean, I a know. lot of, exci- that's great. You guys can be carried away. I'm not, I'm definitely on the more pessimistic side overall still with everyone, but this is, you know, this is better. This is what we want to see. No matter what's going to come in the, the days and weeks ahead, this was needed. So yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm feeling good, but I'm not I'm not getting carried away because they beat the crap out of a team that they really should be beating the crap out of.
1: Agree there. Let's get one let's get the injury update out of the way now and then we can dive mm-hmm. into what we actually saw. So Chris Middleton, I still don't think there's been any actual report on what the grade MCL sprain is. We knew it was an MCL sprain. It's pretty much got to be grade 1, it seems like. Chris is talking about 2 weeks. Wait, you're shaking your head at him.
2: Now, uh, based on what the, and this is a dangerous game because it's based on what the books have said. That that too. But based on their own press release, based on Woj's reporting in particular, which seems to be the one that came true with the most details, they're reevaluating in two weeks. And I'm not surprised that Chris has taken that as he wants to play in two weeks. Whether he's able to play in two weeks, I would still say is way up in the air uh like even a best case could still be just a bit beyond that but i mean positive positive sign that he's with the team i know it's not a long journey to have to make but that he's with the team he's on his feet and that kind of thing but i i don't want to get into i would rather be really pleasantly surprised if two weeks comes around and the reevaluation is oh look he's cleared and he's he's ready to go and playing then I just can't imagine that being the case. Like two weeks from now, the good news could be he's only a week away, and that could be something we'd all take pretty happily. Um, although that is challenging at that kind of point. But I, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I'm not surprised Chris is hearing reevaluated in two weeks and being like, yeah, I want to play in two weeks.
1: And I should I just, say, I misspoke a little bit. I don't think Chris said playing in two weeks. I think Chris was asked directly, I believe, by Eric Name in the pool reporter, his availability, if he would play in the second round. And he said, yes, I plan on playing. And again, of course, Chris is going to be optimistic about this. So I don't know if he actually spoke about the two weeks. I should I should clarify that. The timelines, they're somewhat similar. He'd have to be back in not too much longer than two weeks to play in the second round. But um, yeah, it's, it's hopefully, it's hopeful. Um, I guess that's, it's easier to be hopeful after a game like this, but um, it seems like Chris and the Bucks are trying to be as well, which is you know what we expected, what we should have expected after how they handled Giannis going down last year. But it's nice to see, nonetheless.
2: Well, what we know is it's not great, tree. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what we do know for sure. Um, and I know in anything that I have read, a lot of it then depends on like, is there any kind of bone bruises? Is there anything else around that? Let's hope, Let's hope it all Ballet, comes back.
3: The Battle Sports great uh Wisconsin broadcast noted that he was way to brace. Um, I've heard that there, if because playoffs, you get back from stuff
1: earlier. I hear for, this is from one of the many internet doctors, I'm sorry, I don't remember which one, but there's a chance that being aggressive with the timeline, he may play with one for the first few games back. So we'll have to monitor that and see how that goes
2: play with a brace i'm trying to think of seeing anyone play i mean he'll play with probably countless supports and Chris yeah. is Chris Dude, is someone who's been doing that anyway
3: yeah i just play with the brace no no he famously oh. said he didn't want to that's right yeah
1: they I, made I, him they made him a the special
3: brace and he said no he said no after uh his hyper extension i feel like like, like most men-
2: most knee braces are like the, there's a difference. between knee brace and knee support, which yeah. can often be like the sleeve. Braces are designed to restrict movement for stability. So playing in a brace would be very challenging. And no disrespect to Chris, I don't think we need Chris's movement restricted any further. I was going to
1: say, I don't know if there's anyone who could just be like, yeah, it's actually fine, <laughs> not noticing much of a difference at all. Okay, let's. We're not doctors. We don't have any anymore. We're
2: updates. not the doctor's off tonight. Off yeah, yeah duty.
1: the doctor's off tonight, but. Dr. Uh, Kareem Abdul Jababi was in, uh, very much in, and Grayson and Allen. So I think we, so those guys in particular are going to be a big focus, but we should start with Bobby, who, Rohan, you threw this in our group chat, said maybe it'll be Bobby, you know, maybe they want the offense. It was Jordan, you mean? What did
2: I say? You said Rohan. That's, oh, Got, that's, it, that's that's nice after you ditched I him a couple months ago. You're now pining for him when he's not here. I'm
1: making up for lost. That's a sweet um, moment. Yeah. But no, Jordan threw that in because I, I don't think we really even discussed this on our last pod because we didn't know if he was going to be available, right? I mean, it's, yeah. you never know if he's got a concussion. We didn't think concussion, but you know, the eye issue, whatever it was, he was pretty soon after that pod, like the next day, confirmed like he's off the injury report. He will play. He will wear the goggles. And then he gets the start, I guess, technically at small forward, which is kind of hilarious. And from right away, he was a bucket. And that's you really wanted to see that, of course. We talked about how important scoring is with Chris out. But I've got to say, before I throw it to you guys, the rebounding has always been such a big thing for me with Bobby. And seeing him come down with nearly as many boards as points. He has 18 points, 16 boards, one turnover. 7 for 14 from the field, 4 for 8 from deep. That's like, the scoring was essential, but rebounding is going to be so big for his minutes. It was awesome to see him lead the box and have like more than double of anybody else on the team. I mean, he destroyed the glass in this game.
2: It's fun being out there with Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think that certainly helps. It's going to clear a lot of room for you to just be the guy who goes and crashes the boards. Bobby certainly has the energy and he did a great job of that. Jordan, you mentioned uh, the body sports, Wisconsin broadcast. I assume you were watching there. I don't know. It's how yes. you were were you on ABC or were you on the local broadcast either? Um, But on ABC, it was in the first half of the reporting. And maybe I just missed this from whether it came from just general media availability or anything today. But hearing Bobby talk about what he was experiencing after, um, after he hit in the eye in the last game. So that basically he was blacked out in terms of vision in that eye. And then when it came back, everything was orange, for a considerable period of time, which obviously you can see his eyes is very severely kind of bloodshot and red still. So he has a scratch cornea and it's, it's not just, Oh, you know, let's, let's put the the goggles in to be really kind of ultra safe. Like they're there to protect him from something real. And it sounds like, yeah, there was a reason why he came out at halftime in the last game, tried to shoot. And then ultimately very quickly gave up and didn't come back into the game. So for that to kind of turn around from to go and be playing with goggles, which is just, it's obviously great fun and really meme worthy It's not something that he's done before that I can remember, or certainly he hasn't done it as a book. So that's the kind of thing that often just throws guys completely off. They lose all sense of kind of particularly rebounding. It's interesting. Something like that, your peripheral vision, your ability to know where someone is where, where you need to go and put a body, it can affect guys if they're shooting. You often see players who have to wear goggles, have to wear a protective eyewear, ending up throwing them off after like a few shots. Bobby might never get rid of his at this rate. I mean, this was a, a really, really great performance. Interesting, interesting to see Bud go to jumbo front court. I'm in favor, that, that much is a given. Uh, but against this Bulls team in particular, I think it's going to be super tough. I don't think they have any answer, in part because of the rebounding, as you mentioned, and it just, it gives Bobby so much freedom being out there with Giannis and Brook. And it also, it works in a defensive way that it wouldn't work against all teams. I don't think this is something you can necessarily plan to be doing if you're without Chris going into a series against the Celtics or Nets. But against the Bulls, I think it, it opened up some things that really worked in the Bucks' favor and allowed them to just bludgeon the Bulls in this case.
3: Yeah, um, certainly gave the Bucks an immediate scoring lift, hitting threes, so I think it was a was four for eight from three on the ninth. Um, as you mentioned, the rebounding, just the overall dedication that the Bucks had from one, one through five of just clearing the every time even if it was a long three and a long rebound or kind of like weird trajectories like they were just on it and bobby helped collect that up i mean it helps when you have Brooke and Giannis on the on the floor at the same time so you kind of have like these uh you know they're blocking it off in that sense but like bobby among many was kind of the epitome of just the that second effort that the bucks were largely lacking that was heavily towards the bull side of the first two games and Bobby helped set the tone that way. And I think to your point about, you know, when someone suffers an eye injury and has to play with goggles or stuff like that, like Bobby Portis, we've long had the the kind of long running discussion about like he's not naturally a center, but the Bucks play him because it's how their roster is and just kind of maximize their talent and spacing, everything like that. In this kind of like hybrid three, four, five or whatever, he was just kind of floating everywhere. And defensively, it worked out just because the Bucks were just putting the clamps on everybody. But it kind of helped Bobby in the sense that he's not really in the dangerous areas where he could further damage his eye. He's not really he's picking up those loose balls and getting those, you know, long rebounds as I mentioned, but like it was working out to a way where it, people are other people are doing the dirty work in terms of just like clearing out space for people to get those boards. Whereas Bobby is just kind of, you know, the retriever, if you will. So from that standpoint, I just thought, you know, it obviously worked to a T the fact that it resulted in a 30 point victory, but I, I thought symbolically and, you know, you know, if we're getting into like the sentimentality of it all, I believe I said that word correctly, Nailed it. Um, the like Brooke has mentioned multiple times, or like Bobby being the Bucks six starter, and we can get into semantics because you cannot have six starters, <laughs> obviously. But like, it just he has represented something greater, obviously, from last year and the playoff run and all that stuff. And the fact that he was willing to come back to Milwaukee and sacrifice for a personal gain when he we know that he's had. You know, double di- or all eight-digit uh, <laughs> offers on the table and stuff like that, and to essentially play out another proving year or one two-year type of deal. Um I just thought like it, it was a it was a thought that I put in the chat when it was you know he was giving the okay that he was going to play, and it was like maybe they turned on him just because like we saw how game two we talked about it game, after game two. It's like the emotional lift that the Bucs just didn't have that whole game safer when it was like, okay, we got to turn it now we're down whatever 15, 17 or whatever it was. Bobby threw out all that before he, you know, it wasn't that long in that game, but he was doing everything he could even game one. I, I mentioned with Rohan, like he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but like defensively, he was, you know, giving plenty of effort. He was um coming out on like help side situations and stuff like that. Like it was, kind of playing, like, that P.J. Tucker role, but, like, as Bobby and just kind of a little bit – I'm not saying he's this defensive ace that, that you have in your back pocket or anything like that, but, like, played in Bobby Portis's role of of just doing a little bit of everything, just kind of, you know, uh, eschewing the, the concerns that you have with him on that side of the ball. Like, I just think it was the right move for them, and I given just the play on the road – you don't know where you're kind of, the bulls are obviously on this high of being the bucks and proving the doubters wrong that this series was not going to be a sweep. And, you know, to their credit and to Bobby's credit, he played well. He got he tied drew for the most shots <laughs> on the game. Like they just, they, there was just such a, a balance that the bucks achieved tonight that really had, that was my biggest concern with losing Chris that, it just it wasn't a problem at all tonight, and Bobby kind of typified that, which was very very positive. To see.
1: Fun stat is that Bobby and Drew had as many rebounds between the two of them as Chicago starting five, which I think kind of illustrates how badly. I mean, of course, Bobby's are a little inflated because Brooke and Giannis. I mean, Brooke Brooks Brook gets two rebounds, the least among any Brook Brook Brooke and Giannis like, uh, like
2: combining for nine boards like is just so uncharacteristic but it goes beyond bobby just the the influence of having that kind of size out there because you've got drew with six you've got grayson Grayson with with six, six pat with four so that's real evidence of just the bulls could not get anything the books were just holding it down and then it's just okay let's go and clean up you know and and everyone able to play their part in that i i think the one thing with Bobby and the defense in this series against this opponent. They just smothered the bulls with size and the bulls don't have an answer for that. And I do think it's interesting. And I, I do think it could become a problem for the books on the other end over the games ahead. Like this was not the easiest game Giannis has had in terms of getting to the rim. He did a great job of saying, okay, I'm fine with that. I'm going to be a really active playmaker, and I'm going to be really decisive and try to make incisive passes, but on both ends of the floor, there were times where the paint was really crowded. For the Bulls, though, when they're attacking, there was nowhere for them to go for their mid-range shots, and that's why DeMar DeRozan is 4 of 9. Like, DeMar DeRozan, only, after the game he had last time out, only attempting 9 field goals, that's just taking the heart and soul out of the bulls by having that size there. And they're not a team that excels in going to the paint anyway. They're not a team that really looks to go and do that. But if you just cut that off entirely, because even when the game opens up, and I I think their first three makes were all three pointers. And the books are up like 21, nine. It's like, if you're, if you're just never going to go inside, if you just can't do that, like that's, that's certainly a place where the, the three point math starts to work against you. So uh, I will be interested to see as the series goes on how having those three guys out there works for the books offensively, because I think this is the the ideal scenario. Like Giannis doesn't have to get to the rim if you get a night where Grayson is really on and hitting shots, Bobby's on and really hitting shots. Even Pat was better than he has been, still nowhere near his best. But if you get a night like we saw in game two where the role players are off, you're going to need Giannis to be able to get to the rim that could cause some more problems with this lineup but look but as options the books have options in that kind of scenario you can quickly pivot to okay we're going to play one of Bobby or Brooke less and it's going to be Grayson playing more or Pat playing more or Javon Carter who had a really really good game defensively tonight you can go to those kind of options uh but in terms of this as a starting look I think the books will stick with this until you ask them a question otherwise against the bulls. And I don't know if the bulls are actually capable of that. The only way Milwaukee might be forced out of this is if just having those three guys on the floor at the same time bugs down their offense at some point.
1: Yeah. And I think some of it's probably just going to be more adjusting, right? I mean, obviously you lose something on both ends when you bring in anyone coming off of the bench for Chris Middleton, but Bobby is one of the team's best three-point shooters. I think it's just kind of getting used to him of playing with Giannis and with Brooke, which, you know, has been talked about, I think, kind of half jokingly for a while, of like the, you know, the Jumbo Bucks lineup. It's it's weird for them, I'm sure, to actually play sustained minutes like this. But, you know, theoretically you can still get a lot of spacing, man. I mean, Bobby Portis has been an absolute assassin. And thinking about it now as we talk about him. It's kind of funny that, I mean, the injury certainly played a role, but even today, even knowing that he was a full go, before it was announced, I didn't really consider him for the starting spot, and it's mostly positionally. But, I mean, he's, this season, been the best out of all the options. I mean, he's had a really strong season. He's been the only one of those guys who started consistently. Grayson for a while when Chris was out, but Bobby certainly more. And I think it kind of makes sense, and it's kind of – and it reminds me of Bud's quote after game one, the infamous Giannis out for a little while. And he mentioned, and again, I don't think this is why he did it, but we like to see Bobby in some of those roles. I like I like getting getting a look at that. I just feel like, I don't think it's set in stone yet. I think, you know, we'll see what happens against every team. The Bulls are the Bulls. I think the Bucks are really curious to see... How he holds up on both ends throughout a full playoff run against elite opponents in crunch time, in fourth quarters, against teams that are going small, against the team he wasn't able to play against. Well, they're probably going to lose, but against teams that dangerous offensively that he wasn't able to play against. I think the Bucs are very invested in this, and I think it's just interesting to me. It's very interesting to me. I feel like, you know, is Bobby seen as kind of this swing piece where... Can we get 20% more out of him defensively? He's on the honest's timeline. He's so dynamic offensively. What is there? I feel like obviously they want to win games and win a championship this year. That's, of course, the first priority for the Bucs. I think there is, though, a desire to see, like, what's the most we can get out of Bobby Portis on this team? And the return tonight was pretty damn good.
2: Also, on that front, I mean, with decisions to make on Bobby, Brooke is playing well since coming back. So they're not in a spot where they're like, okay, Brooke is at this age and we need to move on, or that even that that's a good idea for him to consider. So with that, if you're looking at, okay, well, we want to keep Bobby and Bobby is going to have a longer time with the team. So what does that you're you're going to have this period of overlap still where it's like, how do we make all this work together? I mean, for tonight, there's probably also a very simple element of it too, which is although Grayson went and scored 22 points, you're losing Chris you're in a series that has been an offensive struggle and is low scoring so far. And the question that you're probably asking yourself if you're bud is we need 20 points. What's, what's the best part we have to someone who can reliably give us 20 points in the starting lineup. And there's like no debate about that. It's Bobby. Bobby is by far the most consistent volume scorer outside of kind of the non big tree. And, that's maybe what it boiled down to in two games so far, and points weren't coming in bunches. So, yeah, Grayson could deliver it, and he, he actually did. And yet, Pat maybe could get to 14 or whatever if he's playing a bit better. But Bobby is the guy where it's like, if you really need to fill what Chris was going to give you, you put him out there. And maybe they put him out there just saying, We know he'll score enough that the strain on the defense won't be so severe only to find out actually, oh no, it worked really well defensively too. The Bulls just couldn't deal with the size. And that that could be somewhat of a kind of an, a nice discovery rather than purely by design. Um, but in seeing it in action, I, I don't know how the Bulls solve that right now.
3: I think to that point too, I know Jake Reitz talked about it, when, you know, the 20 minutes before the game started, we brought up the news and stuff like that. like. Rohan and and I kind of like touched on it after game one and so like who are the Bucks or Bucks Bulls like shooting threats like from really from three? It's Vooch when they got you know the pick and pop and kind of you know the Bucks are kind of trying to take away shots from Levine or constrict airspace from Levine and DeRozan, um Kobe White Alex Caruso it's the it's the kind of complimentary guys that they have. You're gonna win. You're you, whatever. The case may be if you see Patrick Williams or Alex Peruso, like I know he's a good shooter, but when he has to shoot it for bar range, like it's not as successful as he is shooting for the quarters. Um those are wins in
2: their Every mind. shot he takes at the doesn't is a win.
3: Yes, exactly. So to that point of like if you're you know, it's easy to play this retro or you know, in retrospect, but like if you're trying to not lose anything offensively play within your system which Bobby helps a ton and just how efficient efficient he is he can you know go down low and all that stuff and then defensively it's like well Patrick Williams they're gonna keep starting him Alice Caruso yeah he's their nominal point guard but he's not really creating the off the looks it's anything if anything it's just initiating for Damar and Zach Levine to kind of you know get things rolling. Um there's that's a lot of opportunity for Bobby to kind of not be tested f- defensively, and the Bucks to kind of muck things up as they did tonight, where everybody was just flying all over the all over the 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 court. Even if it was switching everything, or if they're doing one through four, or they're playing drop or anything like that. Like it just felt like the things that we wanted to see coming out of Game Two, or or you know, even if as uh, as much a uh, despair as we were uh, Wednesday night, we just wanted to see the Bucks kind of just imprint their will on the game. And we always know that will come defensively. And tonight was that to AT. It just felt like Drew was locked in from the moment he did his, uh, the Drew from, he uh, ripped the ball away from DeMar. And just like the help side activity was just on point to a degree. Like, I don't like their last year's platform was like they blocked it when you know their backs were against the wall and obviously gets guys like Kevin Durant, Trey Young, or you know, bona fide all stars, you know, 30 point per game scorers. But like it just felt like the difference tonight for me was like everybody was doing, even Grayson Allen. Like I'm sure we'll get to him shortly, but like he's fighting for rebounds and towering for these loose balls or like you know, at the the height of like the rim itself. Like it, it was the, it was the collective effort of like just being locked into it, to this degree of just what we have wanted to see for the start of the series. That was just so not only encouraging, but just positive to see that they could do that for three quarters before Billy Donovan and Bud, you know, pulled the starters and, you know, key players. So that was, it just felt like Bob, putting Bobby in the starting lineup was kind of like the emotional lift that they needed, and then everything else just fell into place of of playing not uh it wasn't a perfect game, but it was damn close.
2: Not not to go full uh Charles Barkley, we are going to start a dialogue. (laughs) But do we think there is anything to and I think this because I was thinking while watching the game, we've already mentioned Chris is not the most mobile Player at this point, and we have discussed his season, particularly defensively, has not been as good as he has been in the past. It's been pretty bad at times. Bobby has his problems defensively, he has a multitude of problems defensively. If you put him at the five in this kind of lineup construction, though, you get away with some of that. And what he brings that Chris doesn't is just good mobility and frantic energy, and just this this ability to, oh, I'm going to kind of do everything I can to close space, which he gets away with more when he's not the five and they're switching on to him and he finds himself on an island. You know, it's it's an interesting thing just in seeing someone who is a little bit quicker in terms of how they can move about, brings more energy, certainly. Um, I, I thought that was noteworthy. And to go back to an old staple of ours, Bobby, out there, it's like while it can be chaotic, while it's not necessarily always the crispest that you're going to see defensively, when he's at the four or the three, as it was for times tonight, it's it's a great example of weaponizing your size because you can just go out there and impose yourself on opposing on the opposing team, and I I think it's interesting. It obviously it doesn't mean anything because. We can't really do anything about it. The bigger picture, Chris is a vital cog of this team. He's one of the the three most important players on the books. But it was a look at a quicker, more energetic player thrown into the mix that did yield some different defensive results and brought a, a kind of stifling defense that we haven't necessarily seen a whole lot of recently.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest questions when hopefully we, we get Chris back on the Bucks this playoffs is going to be how is he moving and, you know, what intent is there and how much is he able to do? And obviously the injury is going to add even more question marks there. But, you know, I think that was coming into the playoffs. I was relatively confident that when it really mattered, we'd see that shades of that old Chris of, you know. Came up as a three and D guy has not been that for years for good and bad reasons, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I think to, to carry on something you mentioned there, and we should probably get to someone besides Bobby soon, but I, he deserves yeah, it. He was, he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the idea, like you said, he's Bobby Portis is better as a three than a five it, defensively, offensively, nothing matters. Giannis team. It's, it's very weird. But off like defensively, and again, you know, do you want him guarding Jason Tatum? No, we saw that go badly. But but generally that the player types, what you're asked to do defensively, three, four is better for him than five. Because five defensively, unless you're just switching everything, which is different. But you know, drop or hedge or whatever, any any of those things, I'd rather have him out there even against shiftier wings, not superstars, but you can help it. But I think that is a better fit for what he can do because he can stay in front of guys. I mean, even when he got fried against Tatum, right? And he, he did get fried months ago now. Like Tatum is like hitting step backs. He's not like totally losing Bobby or breaking his it's ankles. He's blowing or, by him. No, like Bobby is mobile. Like he's shifty. He'll stay in front of guys. He's not an elite defender, but he's not awful. It's when you you know in space trying to be a big man, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I think there's something real to that idea of, you know what? here's what we're doing. Stay in front of your perimeter guy, you know, use, use those long arms, use that size, be disruptive, and we'll let Brooke do Brooke. And you guys don't worry about that. Like, I think that is a really unique and good way to approach using Bobby defensively. And again, it's one game, it's the bulls. We'll see how they look in game four, assuming they keep these starters, but I'm a big fan of, all right, Bobby, we tried the five thing. It's not really working. But clearly, you're too good. You know, we're gonna play you. You have so much talent. Let's figure it out defensively for the games that do matter. And this is this is a good evidence point.
2: Well, if if you're playing some kind of kind of man defense, the smaller he plays, the more he's closed the space immediately to begin with. You're allowing him to stay tired. Those guys, where for example, if that's under Rosen, he's there. And as you said, if he's if he's there and he's in position. He can move his feet. He can use his size. And all of a sudden, he's not easy to just kind of tear apart on defense. The same same matchup, though, if that's coming off a switch, you're giving the smaller guy a chance to reset. Often, you've, you've got an iso. And it's just natural in those kind of situations, then the bigger defender is more wary. They go a little bit back on their heels. They're a little bit further back. And that's where the problems arise. So that is when he plays down a spot, he's closer to begin with. And if you give him that kind of proximity, one, it allows him to be more physical. But all, all of the areas that in space become liabilities, he actually can work them into some positives. Now, it's not like the solution here is ever to be like, oh, well, Bobby plays and Bobby is always a tree on defense. Like, as you mentioned, there are definitely plenty of guys who would just tear him apart in that regard. But there are a lot of guys that he'll hang with and he'll find ways to just bother them much more so than if he's at the five. And ultimately what it comes down to is where is it going to do less damage to you having him out there defensively? And yeah, I think this is something that works and we're we're seeing some kind of maybe this by necessity becomes an interesting piece of evidence that the books have in their arsenal. Whether it works, like if you're seeing some Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Kevin Durant in the next round—that's a very different story, and they're different time, types of guys. But to your point earlier, Ty, I think Bobby has earned the benefit of the doubt, and the books are just going to consistently dare teams to make them unplayable. And if they can, they'll say, "Fine, we've been here before; we know how to work with this." If they can't, you're going to keep playing them, though. So the onus is going to be on opposing teams, and Bobby is better, and the books are better equipped to
1: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Yeah, and to your point of like if it is Demar and stuff like that, like tonight's show that he's not just shooting over two arms, he's shooting over like four, six, you know, he's seen, he's just being blanketed. And uh, I believe he had nine shots tonight. That's the fewest he's had all year. Like wow. it was Damar of uh, the infamous, not infamous, but <laughs> OG Bucks fans remember of Giannis's uh, looking at the score sheet against the Raptors in 2017 and looking at Damar only shooting like eight shots or whatever and him going kind of making this face.
2: Like, him and Chris looking at each
3: other. Yeah, yeah. It was that kind of like it. It wasn't just the fact that DeMar, you know, DeMar was just a non factor. Whether it was seeing Drew or West just kind of tire him out and pick him up well beyond uh, half court for large stretches of the game. But he's seen, <laughs> he's seen all these guys just come up to him. Brooke was even playing way up higher, not in the paint and yeah. stuff like that. Like, they made a very concerted effort, and it's not a surprise, obviously, after he drops how many points that he did in game two, 40? 41 or something like that. Yeah. Um it was just life was tough for him. And the Bulls, like, it, it was quickly apparent that like unlike game one where like the Bucks like they still had a very loose way about him, obviously, as we saw in that game, especially as you know, after the first quarter. The Bulls were it was immediate just like, oh, they don't have a counter. Hmm. It's it's those it's those vooch pick and pops that were, you know, quickly kind of like, okay, let's get this going, and he's hitting shots, like credit to him. But then it was like, well, DeMar's not the engine's gone. Zach Lean is kind of this I don't want to say periphery threat, but he's not a focal point in terms of like how they're getting their offense going. And the Bucks just shut down the rim. Like they were bodies just like not just loose balls, but like Brook is blocking shots. It felt like they had like eight defenders out there. And I'm not saying that as like officials thing or anything like that. It just felt like there were just so many guys just in every spot. And as I said before, like it was just such a concerted effort of like everybody one through five, just playing lights out and not giving any, just a, you know, an inch. Of daylight to get shots up on or on the floor that just like it just quieted the bulls to such a degree
1: i love that the big vooch adjustment was just saying okay brooke go close out on vooch and suddenly he's three for nine from deep and a factor but it's clearly not enough of a factor right i mean i think and he's got to be shooting 10 of those and making five at least for it to really impact the game like if you're if you're gonna shoot 30 you know even 40% from three, but you're only shooting like 10 of them. It's 12 points. Like, it's if, if there's nothing within the arc, that's not going to be enough. And I think that's the bet the Bucks are making is we'll make it a little bit harder. Vooch is going to get some shots. He won't kill us, and he certainly didn't in this game. To illustrate the defense, the three quarters that the team's actually played, guys, Chicago scores 59 points, obviously averaging less than 20 a quarter, scored less than 20 in two of the three quarters. Nobody hits 20 points in this game for the Bulls. Nobody shoots 50% from the field or higher, except for Tristan Thompson, who shot twice, Derek Jones Jr., who shot twice, and Tony Bradley, who was 5-for-5 five five in the last six minutes.
2: Six minutes? That's that, was a Will Chamberlain-esque pace there. <laughs> <is> <laughs> the, the, the,
1: Tony Bradley per 36 truthers are, are eating good tonight. but So none of the rotation players who actually attempted shots found any success consistently it was it's it's an absolute demolition i think yeah we've talked about it drew and west i don't think we need to go too deep neither had their greatest offensive game but drew was not a turnover machine which i think is a big deal and both guys
3: Mm, i will say i will say though like it it may not have the overall like final box score may not have looked as positive as you know it looked like it earlier in the game but He set it off right away. Yeah, he He did. Defense. It was, you know, two way performance of just like he's ripping the ball away from DeRozan. It it just was like, it's not just that, because like that's obviously like the glamorous plays. It's the action plays on defense that kind of, you know, get you off your feet and stuff like that. But like he's just clamping down on DeRozan, making him uncomfortable with this.
2: Putting him in jail.
3: Putting him in jail. Hell prison. Shout out Laz. Hell prison. He just was – I mean, the fact that he can go – like Zach Levine, again, as I mentioned before, just a non-factor. He hit a couple shots, credit to him. Can we have a
2: conversation with Zach
3: Levine?
1: He's coming back from the knee. I just – I don't think he has it. I just I,
2: think he's fake. But they, I, no, I think, he's
1: I, I think it's good. I don't think he has he's, it right
2: now. But good, good to what level? I, I'm, I'm not saying he's – it's just – He's he's not the level that the Bulls would like him to be, that lots of people have always talked him up to be. He is a third guy on a good-ish team. Like that's that's I who he is. He could is. be the
1: third guy on a great team. He's very clearly the second guy on this team and really good at yeah, The top
2: two guys are good enough, he could, but yeah. they need to be really good. I, I just I he's not a player I've ever I've never felt like he had it that he was ever as good as people made out to be. And every time I see him, it's like, I, I think there's al- there's always been something that comes from he has an ability or certainly pre-injury maybe and earlier in his on more of it for the spectacular. And that gets you a lot of credit when you then start to do just some solid fundamental things well and show that you can score. But uh, I think he's been... Drastically overrated, and in a playoff series, I think it's a problem because when he becomes a key player for the Bulls or any team he may end up on in the future, like if an opposing defense zeroes in on him, I, I think he becomes really limited in a hurry. Now, of course, he's going to have like fifty points in Game Four because I said this, but I just I've never I've never bought it, and I buy it less and less every time I see it. And I think in a playoff setting, in particular. He's destined to find it really tough until maybe in his career he finds some figures, some stuff out, kind of like Damar has. Um, but I just like it. Damar is kind of the only guy that strikes fear into me in terms of a star sense because, yeah, he can go and score 41 points, but we've also seen him now more often than that just kind of lay eggs. So for the Bulls, it's really, really tough.
1: One last note on Demar, a big big deal in Chicago. He attempts five free throws. The Bulls at a team attempt ten. That's one of those things where if that number is really low, it's going to be very hard for Chicago to win games. If the Bucks play solid, bet they played great in this game. They played.
2: That's the tree four. bigs though. Yeah. That's you'll keep it like that because they just don't want to go inside the arc at all. Yeah, like he's not even well, getting and, his mid range looks and, and baiting the fells on
1: them. it can be hard as a bigger guy to defend without. Giving up those whistles, even if you do play it relatively clean. Props to all three of those. Nobody on the Bucks had more than three fouls at the end of the game. Bobby, two. Uh, Giannis, three. Brooke just won through their minutes t- uh, tonight.
2: And DeMar was still baiting fouls because he had a couple on Giannis that were like one that was an off ball charge. It was, it was a
1: charge that got uh, challenged and the Bucks lost, right? Uh,
2: yes. Now, I don't yeah. even think that's the one. That was the later. The later call, oh. I don't think that was the offensive foul that was called. I think oh, that was okay. a defensive one. But three times Giannis was caught up in fouls that were questionable calls, all involving Tamar. Uh, twice offensive fouls. But he could still do that. But if if he's not getting to his spots where he needs to get to dangle his legs and did, to get the kind of fouls that he would usually get the benefit of the doubt on, particularly at home, yeah, big, big trouble.
1: Fresh quote uh, from Eric Name, further cementing what we said about Bobby. Must have asked him about it. Quote, I couldn't see at all is what he said about his – and he still tries to go back in the game. Pro athletes are a different breed. If my eye bled, I would be home. I wouldn't watch (laughs) the rest of the game from the bench, from the locker room. I would get an Uber. I would cry a lot. His eye bled. Shout out to Bobby Uh, Porter.
2: As I tweeted out. The thing is, his vision's a little blurry. All he sees is Bulls jerseys. <laughs> Nikola Vucevic becomes Nikola Mirotic in that scenario. That's what happens. <laughs> and, and Bobby brought his A game. That's all it takes.
1: He did. There's another – we haven't talked about the Bucks leading score. We keep saying we're going to talk about him. We haven't. Jordan, what was your thought on Grayson Allen? We talked about it last pod, the pressure going into Chicago – All he does is outscore everybody in the game, have an incredible (laughs) offensive night, and really provide that punch. We said the Bucs would need with Chris out. We didn't anticipate this coming from the bench, but maybe it's even more helpful to have a bench player who's capable of 20-point outings.
2: And to throw it to you, Jordan, to add into that for an answer, do we think this was a factor in Bobby starting? Like, will i have considered a lot of what we talked about, which is this is a tough spot for Grace and how do we make it easier for him? I don't know. Did it play in? There's lots of other factors. But I'll just I'll leave that there for you, too, Tor.
3: I think that is something to consider. I mean, we talked about after game two of, like, we saw Grace and Step up in a similar spot when the Bucks were without Giannis, Drew, Chris at, you know, early points of the season. Um, obviously, the Caruso incident earlier in the year kind of, throw them to the, throw them to the wolves kind of thing like that. And you're playing hostile territory. Um, All those factors, like it made for an interesting like dilemma. And obviously we didn't really talk about Bobby just because we didn't know his availability. The fact that he's literally saying I could not see last or the other night, like and it's Friday night. It's not even 48 hours later. Like it was a very similar way of like how it could be. But um, I, I, he was lights out, hit his first three threes, outscored the Bucks bench scoring um, in the first quarter <laughs> from game two. Like, it was, he was dialed in from the moment. The fact that he's aggressive in terms of um, not just looking for a shot from three, but like driving to the hoop, um, even when, I know he had some kind of, you know, errant uh, layups and stuff like that, but like. The overall mentality that we, you know, it, it's it's different when we're talking about Chris and Drew. Kind of like more so Chris in the first you know game and three quarters of game two. Like when he's not looking for a shot, when he's kind of shying away from that. Like we don't expect that from you know what are your three best players or your top three, big three, whatever the case may be. With real players, it's a different kind of ball game. It's you know especially a young guy like him who. It's as I talked about last time. It's not this is his first rodeo in terms of like playing in the playoffs, not like being the underdog and kind of like happy to be here, but as he was with the Grizzlies last year, getting out of the play in tournament. Like, Bucks are even with the setback with Chris, they're looking to defend their title. And games one and two were what they were. It wasn't uh flashy performances by him by any means, but he turned it on when the Bucks. Go down, or you know, the series is tied, and this the series switches over to Chicago. And I I just, it's hard not to be (laughs) impressed by Grayson and delivering one of his best performances of the season, if not his best performance, considering the circumstances. But I just thought his overall mentality—it went beyond just scoring and shooting the ball. It it was, you know, uh, hunting down those rebounds and everything like that. Like he just played with a purpose that was not there in games one and maybe a little bit in game two um, or vice versa, whatever the case would be. But I, I just thought, you know, home run performance, not, not a, I wouldn't compare it to like the Bryn Forbes game two against the heat kind of game, even though he was, you know, lights out from shooting. I thought he delivered in bigger ways than Bryn Forbes delivered elsewhere in that game, obviously, but it's what you also a
2: chance that this might happen again in this case where there was yes. really in that case
3: yeah it, it didn't it didn't feel like this kind of fluke like you know you got away with uh, a game one that you, it didn't look like you should have won or anything like that like the Bucks played lights out and Grayson Allen you know was a big part of that he was a leading part of that even though he was a lead scorer but it was just it just came so naturally to him in ways that we haven't seen for him in a few months, obviously.
1: To follow up on your bench scoring stat that he matched their total in the last game in the first few minutes or first quarter, all Bucks bench players, games one and two combined, scored 24 points. Grayson had 22 wow. tonight. He's one basket away from totaling their entire bench production in the Milwaukee first pair of games. So clearly that's a... Big difference, right, right there, and Pat had a much better game too. I think Pat outscored the Bucks bench from game two. They only had eight points. So does he have to have twenty two on insane three point shooting every night? No, but finding shots, being aggressive, taking it to the rim when there is a hard closeout, just you know these things where what I wouldn't do to see or what I would do to see this Grayson somehow when everyone is healthy. I think the Bucks would score 130, like, regularly. I guess they did do that somewhat often in the regular season, but I, they just have so much firepower. I think that is long-term, you know, Grayson under contract, a lot of other guys under contract. That's going to be the big sticking point, right, is how can we get this kind of Grayson more often, and maybe being that super sick man will help with that. But certainly I think for the short term, these games without Chris, the rest of the Bulls series, again, doesn't always have to be this level of scoring, but... I want to see this intent from Grayson out. Go find shots. Go put the ball in the hoop because there's a big offensive spark plug missing from the lineup, and anything he can do is going to be helpful. And clearly, in this game, it's exactly what we talked about, wanting and needing to see from him.
2: I'm not usually someone who put a lot of stock in the, the tournament and college basketball, but particularly given the context of Grayson coming in to, a uh, United Center and the whole atmosphere and him being public enemy number one. It's like, yeah, I've done it like twenty times before. <laughs> you know, he literally he won a national championship with that being the vibe every time he took to the floor. Like he is used to that. This is different. It's a different level of competition. So there's always going to be concerns with that. But what he showed tonight is like he came out ready to compete and he came out aggressive and the shots go down and all of a sudden the game takes off. But that's kind of the most important thing is he didn't shirk from the challenge, from the atmosphere at all. The concerns we did have, the concerns the books may have had. That was all really answered. Now, I was glad to see Bud still protected him because when he pulled guys, Grayson was a bench guy. Grayson could have stayed in for a few more minutes. That would have been a really bad idea because it is, if you give the Bulls a chance in this series, it is going to happen. Someone will try to take his head off. And the books really can't kind of afford that now more than ever. So I was glad that as soon as that happened, the Pat stayed out there. Bud's instinct is probably to protect this guy, Pat, but not in this situation. Pat might have to play some garbage side minutes if there are more games to go like this because you've just got to... The second the game is over and the Bulls aren't going to be playing to win anymore, Grayson Allen has got to be out of the game. But in terms of what he brought, like, perfect. The energy is perfect. The attitude... Um, the way he applied himself, it's exactly what you want. And then we know he can score. As you said, Ty, yeah, with Grayson firing everyone healthy, this is a 130 points per game sort of team. The issue in the regular season was when that would happen, they'd often give up 130 points as well. Yeah. So it's finding the mm-hmm. balance. So this is an instance where you managed to get that. If you can find ways where that continues, that keeps going. Well, Good luck. Like that's that's the thing when, when they acquired him, we talked about the differences from what they had last season from the differences in what they'd, whether it's PJ or even the idea of what Dante could have been, just that a completely different player, much more skilled, a much better shooter and scorer. And I uh, like tonight that matters quite a lot.
1: Probably took less shots than Dante would have taken in this game if, if he was in the same role while being a much better scorer and, and shooter. Grayson took 12. I think we would have seen maybe a 20-piece here from from Dante DiVincenzo. Um, I think Grayson, too, kind of on that Bobby level of, like, is he a great defender? No. Is he going to fight? Is he going to make some splash plays? Is he going to try whatever he can do? Yes. And, you know, two stocks, no turnovers in this game is, again, a guy who's not going to hold up against the star players of the league, but athletic, bigger guy, fights for rebounds, goes for the ball. I feel like...
2: Really? That was a big time block too. That wasn't just like yeah. that was a that was a showtime again. Where it's like, yeah, I really want to get under the skin of every person <laughs> in this <laughs> building like even more than I already am.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the blocks he had clearly has that burst, but he is really good at poking the ball out of like a of a mess of players. And I've seen it more and more as the season's gone on. Like if he's you know one defender away, or he's in the paint guarding someone, and someone's dribbling in, he's really good at knocking that ball out and those are high level transition opportunities because the offense still moving one way the ball and like Giannis especially but any bucks really you get Giannis running anyone else with the ball those are great looks for Milwaukee and just one steal in this game but I just think and I've talked about this before on the pod but you can make up for not being great every single possession on ball if every few possessions you can create something like that because those are such just such valuable opportunities and it makes up for oh uh, yeah, he got beat on a drive by Zach Levine. It happens. It happens to a lot of players. So I just think, yeah, just a really strong all around game for for Grayson.
3: Yeah.
2: Are we are we gotta talk about the star of the show at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah we let's let's do the let's Can do I, the
2: ain't say, Ty.
1: I'm not I'm not eating crow yet. I was Why? happy though
2: that's not how it doesn't get to work like that it's going to
1: <laughs> luca vildoza checks in for the last eight minutes some incredible passes i will give it and he does hit a three his first two not great but he does hit a three um but really really impressive passes a nice steal in, in and i'm not even
2: joking it's saying like maybe three of the top 10 books passes of the season <laughs>
1: I don't know about top ten, but they were three of the best. Oh I've seen.
2: come on! Uh, they were. I I haven't seen a books player who could throw those kind of passes. Come on, Jordan, who are you going to say?
1: Giannis.
2: Yes. Giannis has uh, some there's, awesome there's,
1: Chris has yeah, some great passes.
2: Giannis, yeah, yeah. Giannis pass great, but the levels of disguise yeah, on some of the passes, just the and that the stuff matters. Team. Like it's it it looks perfect in a blowout sure, but it will be a thing if okay if they keep him around and we get to see does he become someone who even is around the fringes of the rotation next year like if you got a guy who can do that kind of thing in real games that opens your offense up so much like that it looks like just kind of showy flashy stuff that doesn't necessarily have a place in the the flow of regular offense but it does because it's very difficult to defend if you've no idea what the guy with the ball is going to do. <laughs> and he is exactly that kind of player. Uh, my, my only point on it was he, you were dismissing him out of hand type because he hadn't been an NBA player, but this is not, I was higher on Elijah Bryant than a lot of people. I think Elijah Bryant could play, but this is not Elijah Bryant. Like this is, this is an Olympian. This is the Argentinian national starting point guard. Like, He's a real player with real skill that I, I don't think it's a case of, oh, he's not good enough to be in the NBA that he hasn't been there till now. And there is a real chance he could stick and he could be useful for the books. We have a lot more to see on that. And realistically, we're not going to see it in the playoffs. Although if they keep blowing the balls out like this for the remainder <laughs> yeah. and he gets to come into games and do this, who knows what happens at some point. Uh, but just immensely fun. Like I, yeah. I'm not going to pretend I look forward to garbage time with this books team. Rohan isn't here. I could say it. tanasis is not always the most fun. He, he has very fun, He's fun. Fun. He's fun. He with was Luka. Yeah. He fun with Luca. That's like a perfect partner for him, which has lots of people noted. If Luca can do that when Yanis is out there, <laughs> that's, that's maybe the most watched thing of the entire NBA. Uh, but Tanasis, we all know how that experience can go. There will be some fun that day, and there could also be some uh, some pretty ugly basketball. And with some of the other guys out there too, it's it's not necessarily uh, my idea of fun. This books team in garbage time, but Luca brought something different, and he brought everyone else. He brought Tanasis up with him. Uh, did, didn't exactly bring Jordan Wara up with him jordan warra did not shoot think, well leave a good impression uh,
1: i think we can cross out the uh jordan warra as a fill-in rotational piece idea
2: is luca ahead of him in your own personal rotation now? no
1: we're not there yet
2: oh come on jordan
1: um
3: no shot there's an answer here He's probably not going to just because position.
2: No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not asking as a serious. <laughs> of course, not going to happen. He's not with the team long enough to play in the playoffs. Don't make those eyes after giving that answer. Uh, <laughs> those logistics are gone. <laughs> but just personally, in terms of what you're wanting to see or what's even interesting, I'm at a point where it's like I just think, I think Jordan Moore can play. I think Jordan Moore can score. We've seen it. We know it. And my line for a are long you- time is he could be a really good scorer on a not very good team. You know, that's like, he could have a long NBA career where people are like, Oh, he's a, he's a solid score not a star level score, but he's a solid, I don't know. A like, comp isn't coming to mind for me right now. Like a Nick young type, a little bit oh. better than, than that in terms of discipline, although remains to be seen, you know, those guys can have long careers. You can, you can make a Drew career. You Anna can Abby make a name Ross. for yourself. Bees. Mm, I don't know if I push it you, off right now. Bees is bees is. He's
3: the, Carmelo on the left side of the floor. That's <laughs> the no, I, I know what you mean, but to to your point of like, we've gotten used to garbage time with the Bucks over the Bud era for a long time, especially mm-hmm. the first two years. I mean, they were steamrolling teams for a long time. A lot of it was coming out of the Central Division, which you're. Playing four or them four tw- or four times a year, the difference when again we're talking about this for eight minutes of of garbage time compared to however many minutes they've accumulated over the last four years, they just haven't had a true point guard. Yeah, direct that, and that's it's,
2: not it's loads of guys just getting shots up, and they're not yes. good enough at shooting to be in the rotation in the first place.
3: Yeah, and it's it's the system shots rather than this guy that you know, he has great size and he clearly knows how to <laughs> triple basketball and play make and a very, you know, if it's not NBA level, it's damn near close to that. Uh, he hasn't established himself at the NBA level, but hopefully he does for him, you know, his sake. But like, that's what's missing with like, it, it's always been kind of the same. You'll see a Thanasis slam or you'll see Jordan Wara do a step back three or stuff like that. Like, or Robin Lopez, way back in the day of like doing his little <laughs> hook shot shot. and stuff like that. Yeah, but it's it's they haven't had a kind of floor general or just kind of an organizer with point guard capabilities, and that's what made it a little fun tonight. I'm not saying we're gonna see that, um, maybe for much
2: of the series. Or even would, you, would you like more fun though?
3: I would like more fun.
2: Like, are you, you in want, favor of fun personally, Jordan? I'm,
3: I'm in favor of fun. You want garbage time to kind of be like it is nice to have it in the bag, but you also want garbage time to equal like uh how the well, game was for 38 minutes the first 38 minutes. Yeah, you, you want know, you do. want
2: some my reaction when it goes to it and the players are pulled at that point. It's like I, I was two screening for like the brewers were on two, and that was right at the the moment the brewers game was finishing. And I was just like, uh oh, I mean I wish the brewers game went for another nine minutes here. Because they think that this isn't going to be fun, and then Luca makes it something, and it's like literally, you are like, okay, I need to, I need to really lock myself in. In some ways, it was the most interesting part of the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very different type of player, and it's not something we spend too much time talking about now, or likely in the games ahead. But with everything going on with George Hill like what the books do with George Hill this summer, what George Hill himself, like with his health and decisions that may need to be made there. I don't know if he's back next year one way or another. I don't know if George Hill is going to be a book next year and the books more than ever are going to be operating in a really tough spot because even if that is the case, their priorities are likely going to veer towards one of, if not both of Pat and Bobby. And then what does that leave you? And if the answer is, well, you've got Javon Carter and you've got Luca Vildoza, the Bucs have been in worse spots than that, certainly for a regular season, because there you could have one guy who you can trust to actually run the offense and charge the offense, and one guy who you can trust to lock in and be your defensive first point guard. Like, that doesn't sound terrible to me. So if that's the spot they're in, maybe that's also part why they took this flyer. Um Cause even after he signed, it's right around the time then that George started to reveal obviously what yeah. was going on. That was something they would have known internally, and they're like, We've got a roster spot, maybe they'll like a point guard, let's go get him. I, I think that's kind of an interesting element to it, too. I don't expect Luca to be anything other than having to fight for a spot, come training camp. But that guy's gotta tear it up in preseason. <laughs> There's, if he's fighting for a spot coming into next season, he's getting that spot.
1: <laughs> I think uh, – I just wish we had seen him more before. but Like I want to see him in a real run, both ends. You know, I think the passing is clearly there, the handle. I'd, I'd like to see him take to the basket and how that looks. I think it was just all jumpers. But it was a it was certainly a good first impression. Last garbage time note, sadly kind of similar to the Warren note, Surge man. I, he tried to dribble to bring the ball up the court, and it just looked like he handed it to a Bulls player. I don't really understand how it happened. It's it's bad. It's really bad. I and, wouldn't have
3: recommended twenty twelve Serge Ibaka to do that. Yeah, it was ambitious
1: for <laughs> sure, but it, it was just dribbling. He wasn't like pressured. It just didn't it didn't go well. But you know, putting up shots defensively. I, uh, at his
2: age and his point in his career, the books aren't doing him favors if they wanted to get the best out of him by not playing him at all and then throwing him in too. Like, and and that's at the place where you're like, he can't hold a spot in the rotation. So you're not getting him reps. He's not in any rhythm. It's tough to then turn to him and expect much of anything positive. And uh, I think that was very evident tonight. He looked like a guy who's just not playing at all and is at a stage in his career where. That can't be. That can't be. The it's not time. like. I
3: mean, I'm not uh, suggesting he do this because this is his life and or anything like that. But like, it doesn't feel like Marvin Williams where he's like, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm retired." It's like it looked like you were still capable. Like, I and mean, even with playing in the wreckage of the bubble, and Marvin was stuff.
2: a wild man. That was really. It was jarring at the time. Oh. It
3: was, but like it felt like. I mean, if you wanted to, if he had the the mentality of wanting to play another year or you know, play for a championship He looked good. Yeah, he looked good, like, considering where he was, but, like, Serge is not that. No. <laughs> it's not that at all. No. Uh, which is unfortunate, because he's he has been a reliable NBA player for up until he signed with the Clippers, unfortunately. It just, you know, it gives out, and yeah, it's hard to reclaim, especially when, you're trying to get back from injury and then it's like, okay, I'm back from injury. Then how do I play at an adequate level? And it's, you know, it's lucky that the Bucks have had Brooke come back and go as well as we could possibly <sighs> hope. Even tonight, I know it was a quiet night, but he was blocking shots, doing his little Brooke shots uh, in the paint and stuff like that. And um, all that stuff. But like they haven't had to lean on Serge Ibaka and, it turned out that's that's for the best. I still it's also
2: good, good the horse got those picks in the deal as well. So that's yes. what that deal will ultimately yeah. remember. remembered as.
1: I still think we probably see him a bit more if if the Bucs can get through this series, another series, and then run into Philly. But I don't think next round, uh, I would expect more minutes allocation like this against Boston or against Brooklyn.
2: I've been a, a very much a pro Philly kind of person with the news today though.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be we'll, tough.
2: we'll see how they go. And if, big, if big,
1: the injuries would be at the that
2: point too. They yeah. sure are, yeah.
1: Lowry now leaves the game with a hand yeah. swing. He's gonna try right. and play game four, but the Hawks steal one, uh in Atlanta. But
3: yeah, it's can, I, uh, can we do one quick shout out to one of the Bucks players? No.
1: Yeah, of course we can.
3: I talk Luca again. Is that is that it? No, no. no. I was impressed by Javon Carter. He did not. Yeah, he was great. He did not attempt a single shot tonight.
1: Classic Javon Carter, (laughs) and it did
3: not matter. Um, I thought plus nineteen. Yeah, plus eighteen and seventeen with zero shots. Yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) Um, I just thought like whatever kind of, you know, the residual of like, okay, you have Drew, you have every, the starting five locked in. How do you maintain that defensive energy and intensity when you're going to your bench, when you're going to, when Drew's not on the floor, Wes is not on the floor, whatever the case would be. And Javon brought that, like he was playing like a bulldog as he's often talked about and stuff like that. Like, I just thought that was exactly, you know, it was not obviously we talked about like the starting lineup and stuff like that, but like he was also like part of the team wide of just like, we're not giving them anything. And if he doesn't attempt a single shot or whatever, whatever he wants to do in future games, like if he's played to that level of like really in their face and picking people up, you know, off of inbounds passes and stuff like that, like the Bucks will live with that. And it's a different flavor than what we've, we're used to last year this time around, like with the playoffs and stuff like that. But like, even without PJ being there, like it's nice, like tonight, where you just can kind of see, like, oh yeah, this team is just so. It's just like it's they. I I, can't, I obviously there, cannot describe it as. I'm there's
2: a hunger right though, now. right? Because even Grayson brought that with his competitiveness. Like, and that was something I know we talked a lot about when PJ came in, that the team needed an edge. It needed someone who was going to drive and set standards. And they don't have that in that way this year, but they're finding it in a slightly different way. Like, to me, what Javon looked like tonight is he looked like a guy fighting for his job, a guy trying to ensure he has a spot in the league next year, which is what he is. Yep, And it's how he should be playing, how you've kind of expect him to play but that is not a given and that's not normally what happens with guys in that situation particularly if they're put into like this kind of high leverage situation where the stakes the stakes could not be much greater uh you're on the champs it's one all and you've just lost one of your best players like you don't want to fall behind there it all of a sudden can become very embarrassing very quickly and just not daunt that he's there to do what he does to prove that that has value to the books, that has value to any other team, whatever it may be. Job done. Like I, I don't think Javon Carter is going to have a problem uh, finding a team to to take him next year, and I don't think he'll have a problem if he wants to stay with the books, finding the books to be open to that too. It's whether another team actually sees something where they're like, hey, we'll offer you a little bit more money or more years, whatever it might be. And good for him and keep that energy going and see where that takes him. But it's like it's what you expect from someone in that situation because it's what they need to deliver. But it, it just doesn't it's impressive for actually coming through with that, because most players who are on that kind of on the bubble as such, that's part of why, because they can't go and deliver that. Javon Carter is proving he is a legit NBA player and an NBA rotation player and a rotation player on a a top-tier playoff team on a contender. That's that's like, so, enough. so impressive. Well,
1: it's funny you mentioned that. He played 22 total playoff minutes in his career before this season. So it's a guy who's really never had a, a role like this. I think he played 17 tonight, so nearly matched his Phoenix playoff minutes right there. And it just it doesn't – I don't think he's phased by anything. I don't think it matters to him at all. doesn't play for a while, comes back in. It's the exact same energy. It's Bobby Portis-esque of like, yeah. oh, cool. I, all right, I team, I totally whatever you guys ask. If I don't play this game, I don't play this game. I'll come out the next game and do the same stuff. And I think there's a ton of value in a league that has so many dynamic guards and perimeter players of being able to say you're getting Drew in all the starters minutes. Oh, you play past when Drew switches out and try and dodge that. Here's Javon Carter for eight minutes. Like, have fun. Like, it's not – there's no let up. You're getting picked up from even earlier up the court – it's just a nightmare to play against the Bucks and Drew, West, Giannis, Javon Carter, Brooke Lopez behind them. Like there's so much defensive like skill, but also like playmaking, like any mistake and they're just all over
2: you. It's even Man. there was a, a sequencing game in game two, which I'm sure you'll all remember because just visually it was hilariously funny where he was on DeMar DeRozan and he got really low and he's not the tallest guy to begin with. DeMar is 6'6", probably like a 6'9 wingspan. He was like down at DeMar's hip and like the shot is there for DeMar, but DeMar is just kind of baffled and he's puzzled. He's looking, he's like, this guy is right up in my grill, except like he's down by my hip. Uh, But the intensity of it, like there is something really weird, unique about him as a player that is going to throw guys off too, because you don't see it very often. And you could just assume, Oh, well, he's super small. So I'll just be able to do what I want. It does not work like that because he's smart enough because he's competitive enough. Physically. It's
1: the same idea of PJ PJ getting into KD, right? Like KD could always shoot over PJ, but he's just, it's not easy. It's, there's a, there's a mental thing of closing out and just being in someone's space. It's
3: messing with like shot prep. Yeah. That like, that kind of stuff that, like, we look at the result or, you know, how close the defender is. Like, I know that was a big thing that both fans were uh, picking up on after game two, and really so. DeMar DeRozan was scoring at will when Giannis was, you know, closing down on him or covering him completely. But there is, you know, that subtle, the sweet science, as uh, those boxing enthusiasts from 1940 would talk about. Like, Of course. I know. <laughs> i are all familiar um, with those guys. Yes, Rocky Marciano. Um, but no, like that kind of thing of like getting low and just kind of like that was a big thing with like Kristaps for a long time, where he's this towering guy, but he can't shoot over six four people. It
2: was the West match signature? Yes. there's the the yeah. most amazing West defensive footage out there. Is Kristaps trying to post him up and just and just failing abysmally an inch, right? over yeah. and over every time the teams play? They'd just be like, oh. Porzingis seven two, he's yours, West, and West be like, yeah. cool, and he just couldn't do anything.
1: I just love having three guys like that because it's just like such a like. Imagine being an offensive player, you hunt for the switch, you fight, you finally get it, and you go from Drew to West or Tavon, Javon, or Giannis or whoever. It's like, oh, we accomplished nothing. It took half the shot yeah. clock. I still don't want to play against this guy.
3: <laughs> also, uh, to include, I mean, defensively, he was great. Four assists, zero turnovers, like, I'm not saying, I, I, I agree with Adam, like, he's not a lead ball handler in that kind of traditional point guard kind of way, but a lot of those were, like, extra passes or driving a kick and getting the Bulls defense to move around and stuff like that, like, the little stuff that, you know, it's it's the bare necessity when it comes to, like, NBA offenses now, but... It helps when he can just deliver a very precise pass to an open shooter, and they knock it down. Like it's very just. It's not complicated. It's simplest. It's very simplistic. But like he can do that very well, and has done that very well with the Bucks. And it helped when they had a big turnover problem through games one and two.
2: Also, it's just it's the willingness to make the simple pass. So the ball comes to him. His first instinct isn't, "Oh, am I going to take this shot?" Like he is selfless and he he has a sense of his limitations. So he's, he's probably thinking past first and that's actually really helpful when you're where the books were in game two, which is the ball was not moving. They had a serious problem with stagnant offense, which is something that has played them over and over again. And the books are a team that can get the ball moving. They're basically impossible to stop because it means you're going to get it to multitude of very, very good catch and shoot guys Giannis is likely to get the ball with a head of steam. Like you can get it to him in motion. He's going to get better looks. So, just being willing to take, to make the simple passes is a big deal for this team. He can leave the flashy stuff to Luca. Luca can, in his minutes, you know, his 25 minutes, he'll be playing game four. He can just kind of cut the defense apart and Javon can make the extra passes and everything will be fine.
1: The only players still on the roster who make the Bucks better via offensive rating are made in the regular season. Then Javon Carter, Drew Holiday, Giannis Kupo, Chris Middleton, Boogie, and Javon Delorier. Um, but there then there's Javon. Five. What did I did I miscount?
3: No, no, no I added Javon to the. Beginning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Shout out to
1: Javon. <laughs> His three minutes, one seventy-one offensive rating. Um, but no, I think the way to put it, it's like the handle is good. It is a good handle. It's not crazy. He doesn't have like the, you know, like LeBron or Jokic kind of vision of like, oh, he's diamond it between two guys or he's not looking. But his decision making is just like super high level. It's just like, oh, there's that's the right move. I will do that. And I think what he's done it less in the playoffs. But some of those regular season games, like even that extended to shot making, like he would take some nice off the dribble shots just because... No one's open. I do have space. They're not respecting my jumper. I'll pull up from right here. So, yeah, interesting. I I really hope they can keep him around. Obviously, I've been a a fan, but I think he fits well. Honestly, I think the comp that that I've been mulling over, I think he's what I wanted Delhi to be when they signed Delhi. Like, he's not really a point guard, but he's an off an apex superstar point guard. Like, the whole thing was – Deli can play off of Giannis like he played off of LeBron. That's what they need. They don't need that lead ball handler. It turns out they totally did, and thankfully they have Drew now. But it's that kind of idea of, like, he he doesn't initiate a lot, but, you know, a little bit here and there. But it's like he'll make the right decision. He'll take the right shot off of Giannis and Drew and Chris and everyone else. And I think it's,
2: it's the right role, too, because yeah. that was the thing. Yes. Deli had the right role in Cleveland. He came to the books. The books seemed to be a starter. That's a completely different thing. It doesn't work. Yeah. So that's Javon can play the Delhi and Cleveland role, yeah. which works.
3: It also helps when you have a guy like Drew where yeah. Delhi gets replaced by Brogdon and Brogdon's the best player, but it wasn't like they were trying to play, you know, Brogdon and Delhi together around. You know what I mean? Like it was very, uh-huh. I mean, we
2: can second guess Jason Kidd decisions from five or six years ago. <laughs>
3: <laughs> to, to I hear he's a great coach draft. now. He's
2: changed. I saw something today. Can't even, can't even do it. I'm, I can't unpack. I'm that, just but... gonna, I'm just gonna wait a little bit longer. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, people First were was
3: good for kid in Milwaukee too.
2: It was, and also, in spite of what it, our he eyes, gets a
3: carcass of a team right now.
2: In spite <laughs> of what really our eyes were, everybody. were showing us, and what his, his bout was in fact <laughs> saying often in press conferences it wasn't unusual for big moments to come national media to drop in and you'd get an article about Jason Kidd, the genius head coach and all the things he's doing. So I I think there may still be elements that we'll we'll reserve judgment. Good for him. You know, good for him. Buck's got a championship, right? (laughs) It's true.
1: Um, Our short. he he
2: only took years off my life, but good for him.
1: (laughs) Our short pod is at 80 minutes. We're talking about Jason Kidd. Is there anything else from Game 3 or looking ahead to Game 4? Actually, I do want to do one more thing. Bucks in five? That's where I'm at.
2: I th- I think there's one more that gets dropped.
1: Game, uh, it it, it game could four? be the
2: next one with, the, with the a noon game? start. Yeah. I, I think at some point this is going to be a problem for the offense where the role players don't hit shots. And then it's going to be, okay, can Giannis work with Bobby out there and Brooke out there? And if that's not the case, if you've got to sacrifice one of them and your role players aren't hitting shots, you're putting yourself into a really tough position where Giannis needs to go and get 40, 40 40-plus anyway. Now, the Bulls just may struggle to score that you'll find ways to get through those games, but I, I do think there's a possibility that there's a game like that still to come. I, I will I will it. say uh, one thing I will say I was I was down bad with the middle injury and I thought you know there is a chance that this could be over I I was even before I never I never even came round until the game happened today and you know it wasn't even that oh you know doubting answers. I was just giving the bulls credit they don't deserve like this is still <laughs> this is still the bulls who just cannot be good teams and spent the whole season showing that they cannot do that. They're not going to do it four times here. Chris Middleton or no Chris Middleton. Yeah. So the books are winning this series really regardless of what happens.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to your point of whether it's role players hitting the shots that they weren't in games one, and two, like, are we really just talking about grace in that sense? Well, it was like Pat was oh, like, Pat, Pat
2: was better than he has been Pat was which is yes, not Pat ideal. Was really better.
3: But like I mean Bobby saw out game three where he didn't see out game two. Um literally. He again he could <laughs> not
2: see Pat Pat and Grayson tonight is thirty three <laughs> points. Like those two combining for that, you could get a night where <laughs> yes, they combine yeah. for six points. But we and that, got that is that is, is apparent ap- Are we gonna yeah, get but, another one? Yeah, I think we. Could. I think it'll be
3: more in the middle, but like definitely again, possible. I mean, we even we didn't talk go too crazy in depth in drew outside of like a few minutes, but like if you look at the final box score, like it wasn't like he. You could look at his game two performance or box score and look at game three performance and be like, "What was the big difference?" Well, I was like, "Buddy, it was a big difference." Yeah, <laughs> Just, like, let me tell you, Funny. kind of thing. But like, that's where I'm like. But like we're not going to see Demar Derozan attempt the few shots that he had all season again.
2: You sound he, like Demar after game one now. True, and he nearly matched it tonight. Like I mean, it was more efficient, but no.
1: nowhere. He's told her he likes her, and now he's ready to progress. <laughs> he's ready for that first kiss. It's not even his best quote from the series. The jail uh, one is way better.
3: Yeah, um, I I just think this this Bucks defense. It, that was largely the problem. Again, in part because Demar went off in Game Two. If they played like they did in Games One and Three, like they can win eighty to eighty to sixty, and it'll be like, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I, I think it's crap. delayed.
1: I mean, you you were saying it earlier, Adam. Like the there's no you don't see the Bulls counter to this, and I just think yeah. the Bucks, for all their early in a series warts, they've shown a lot last se- last postseason. When they get a team figured out, like they kind of just put them in a sleeper hole and that's that. Mm -hmm. And I I just think we're at that point. I mean, if you can beat Phoenix four straight, albeit with a healthy Chris Middleton, I I just think once again, would it be great if the Bucs could come in with some of these adjustments in place and not do this early? Yes, it would be. But this has been their recipe and I, I think we're in for another one of these series.
2: Yeah, well, that's to be clear on that. I do not think the Bulls are going to find an answer. Like yeah, the Bulls' yeah. counter will be that the books counter themselves, and the books are more than capable of doing that.
1: That's fair. We, we've certainly seen it.
2: And uh, the one, think... the one thing though that hasn't happened is we haven't seen Giannis just completely dominate a game in this series yet. I mean, yeah. his first two games, his numbers are good, but we haven't had a game where it's like just literally what we see uh, three times a week at, at minimum in the regular season. That's, that's going to happen. Team high so, 36
1: in this game, despite the only 18 points for Giannis.
2: Great decisions, just yeah. great decisions, not forcing anything and trusting his teammates and his teammates paying it off. And maybe in a somewhat symbolic way, trusting his teammates too, as in Chris is down, but we we've, we've, can still do this. We've still got enough. It's an that's interesting approach to take in this game, and it paid off. And I think as a group in the locker room, where if we felt down, I'm sure they felt down after the loss. I'm with Chris getting hurt. I'm with Bobby. I'm, I guess it, like at the locker room at the time, you're know, like, yeah, I can't see. Uh, this is a big, big turnaround from that. And they'll, they'll feel very confident in themselves. They they could win in five. I just think there is definitely potential for the Bucs to to do everything they can to give the Bulls a chance in one of these, that it's a close game where you, they could drop it. That's and fair. a noon start on a Sunday. Yeah.
3: Quick after a dominating game. Like, there will be shaky moments no matter what. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. I think...
2: Uh, Ty tie is right. The tie is right. They don't let up. Yeah. Like, that is, when they get to this spot, their thing was last year, they... They put themselves in trouble it and then the they rocky figure it movies. out. they will just like, "Oh, we'll win four and all that." It's That's literally
1: fine. Rocky. Like the jaw is just too strong. You tire mm-hmm. yourself out punching the bucks in the face, and they just go, "All right, now what?" And then it's over.
2: They're like one of the good Devin Williams games.
1: Oh, yeah, well, where, where he, the
2: bases, the bases <laughs> get loaded, and then he wakes up and he's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna get three quick outs." Jordan, but they could still have one of the bad David Williams games yeah. too. On, on the
1: pod, I'm cruising for a bruising. Jordan, I heard mention of Francisco Rodriguez. There's a player worth diving into sometime, Adam. He most famous with the Mets. Goggles, the Mets. also
3: goggles too.
1: Goggles player. Mm. What they call him? Like K Rod. No, no, that. But he had like 25 minutes of. He said he had he led the NL in saves one year. But it was all that same like load the bases. Like if he's up three, give up two runs and then do it. Like it's a lot to watch, but fun fun I delivery. Think,
2: I think Taiwan's on cruising for a prison. I, I gotta some watch some hair. games. I was you gotta sad. watch the games. You need to get into the season, Ty. Come I know. On.
1: Well, stuff going on.
2: Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs>
1: all right. So good pod. We're more optimistic. Uh, it was a great game. I do have a review. From the, uh, mm-hmm. the Eurostep Discord Entry, Eurostep Podcast Network Discord Entry Form, which is available in our Twitter bios. I think all of ours, at least mine, and the Eurostep Podcast, um, our link tree, it's in there. If you need it, just message any of us. We'll hook you up. But Logan I, who's now in the Discord, Logan I54, left a five star rating on Spotify. We've enabled Spotify reviews through the use of this form, aka you just tell us what Your review is, and we'll read it if you show us that you rated five stars, on Spotify. Logan said, I love the podcast, and this is thematically appropriate, and I am thoroughly enjoying Cruising for a Bruising. Love your fresh eyes on the game. Shout out, Logan.
2: There we go. Shout out, Logan. The reviews are are coming in. The reviews are coming in very, very positive for Cruising for a Bruising. Some are saying it's the most popular podcast on the Eurostep podcast network. <laughs> Is that true or not? Who could say? I don't believe there are numbers to quantify it, so we won't look at them. <laughs> but early reviews are very, very good. So thanks everyone for listening. Keep leaving the reviews. Andrew will be back next week too. So. It'll uh, it'll become more knowledgeable again too. Not that Jordan wasn't.
1: Wow, really. shots fired. But it, it's different. You were leading, leading. It was, high. it
2: was, yeah, it was different for sure. It was very <laughs> different. I'm used to hosting pods with you, Jordan, but not generally about <laughs> baseball.
1: Except for that one captured in celluloid, that was also on the Cruising for a bruising.
2: Andrew host Andrew hosted, Andrew hosted yes. that. Yes, oh, okay. but yeah, if you want to listen to. I mean, we're finishing, so we're into plugs now anyway. <laughs> uh, if you want to listen to a two and a half hour conversation about baseball movies, Jordan was on. Christopher Bruising. Oh, I can't it's in the feed. I'm if you're on YouTube, you're seeing right now Jordan is wearing a win and six hoodie. And you now he's get taking all of our it merch. off.
1: So if, if you're on the audio feed, <laughs> get over to video right now. <laughs>
2: uh, win and <in> six, Eurostep, <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Bruising your podcast network <laughs> whatever merch you want gspnstore.com we've got all sorts of stuff up there true to april 30th you get 22 percent off with promo code playoffs 22 that win in six hoodie jordan it looks damn good
3: it Does thank you i did not make it <laughs> i um, happily bought it
1: <laughs> which you all should too um, so also, subscribe on your podcast, Player of Choice, on YouTube if you haven't already. Get in the Discord, buy the merch, subscribe and listen and rate and review to cruising for a Bruisin'. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, and then I think that's it. So, go Bucks, pod random. We'll be back after Game 4.